we live in a knowledge-based world. Everything is knowledge and you put it in. You fill yourself with knowledge. You pack it in. Wisdom is already inside and you have to make space for it to come out. So one goes in, knowledge goes in, but wisdom comes out. Welcome to the Dr. Espen podcast, where we explore the latest in quantum science, personal development, consciousness, and spirituality, health, as well as business and money mastery. Join me as I interview experts from all over the world, sharing the most incredible stories of transformation. This is where we provide you with the exact tools and coaching activities you need to expand your consciousness in each of the eight areas of your life. For more info on our events, programs, coaching, etc., go to drespen.com for the full quantum experience. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome back to the Dr. Espen podcast. Today, I am humbled and privileged to have the opportunity to interview Richard Rudd, an international teacher, mystic, and poet uh, who attended the Edinburgh uh, University where he gained a master's degree in literature and metaphysics. This is going to be an uh, exciting conversation. Richard is a born explorer. He studied with great teachers all around the world from the East, traveling through the Himalayas, the Pacific, the Americas, and also the Arctic regions. He's worked in the industry in film here in Australia, where I'm from, and also as a teacher in Qigong and meditation in Thailand, sailing across the Atlantic Ocean on a small yacht. I'm just picturing that as an experience, the freedom and the experience of living and doing that. That must have been amazing. Throughout his adventures, Richard's explored his love for writing, and in 2006, he won the Fish International Poetry Award in Ireland. Richard's mystical journey began earlier in life when he had an experience where strange energies were rushing through his body. We're going to talk about that experience today. And when we get to it, I'd like you to really dial in, tune into your intuition and see if you might have experienced something similar or perhaps something of a different sense in your reality, because I think this experience will give you a lot of clarity as to perhaps who and what you are. This catalyzed this spiritual search, this search for meaning, this search for depth. And his studies became synthesized in 2002 when he began to write and receive, which is an interesting word to keep a note on, the Gene Keys. As you probably already know, he's the author of the Gene Keys, a vast synthesis exploring the miraculous possibilities inherent in our own human DNA. It took seven years to write this book and to get all the teachings applications together. Today, Richard continues to expand and embody the wisdom that he receives. Just being in his presence, I feel you will sense a lot of joy and a lot of light, a lot of care, a lot of love, and sharing it with an ever-growing audience around the world. Gene Keys and the work has been translated into many languages, and in 2019, Richard was named on the Wilkins list the top 100 most spiritually influential people alive. So it is indeed a humble privilege and a pleasure to say, welcome, Richard. How are you? Very well, thank you. It's a kind of rainy, wonderful, kind of misty day in England here. But I love those days. So, Indeed. I mean, without the rain, there'd be no life, right? Exactly. <laughs> so my first question, sir, if I may, for those who have not heard about the Gene Keys, for those who have not awoken to its potential yet, can you explain what is the Gene Keys? Yeah, as you said, it's a synthesis of lots of different things, but they're not just thrown together. It's a kind of weave. It's like a tapestry of different wisdom 
And it's, you know, without getting too technical, it's based structurally on this amazing revelation called the I Ching, which as many of your people may have heard of. It's a kind of ancient Chinese system for measuring and mapping the seasons and cycles of the universe. And it happens to have a direct correspondence mathematically to our DNA. So it's a way of mapping or, you know, it's a universal code that seems to appear in lots of natural systems, you know, and our DNA being one of them. But also it's the foundation of the musical, you know, the music itself, you know, the eight octaves, and it's because it's based of these 64 components. And the gene keys are a kind of, they're like an inspirational set of tools based on these 64 archetypes and resonances that we can use for so many different things in our life to align us to this high purpose and to also help us transform our, our traumas, our shadows, we call them, and transform them into their highest aspects. And that's really what the essence of Gene Keys is about. It's about taking the raw material of our suffering, whatever it is, however it's showing up, of the things that we find hardest in life, and those things are like they contain this seed, this quintessence, and that's what we're here to like unlock and uncover. So it takes some courage because you're going to have to look with the Gene Keys into these shadow places, but you go with deep compassion for yourself and for others, and as we do that, you know, an awakening occurs inside us and gifts begin to emerge that were previously dormant and literally in our body, in our DNA. So it's a very physical experience, even though that, you know, there's the books and courses and online things and, and a whole community that has formed around the Gene Keys is still a very physical and emotional awakening experience. So in a nutshell, I guess that's the best I can do at the moment. Beautiful. And just to be clear, guys, The Gene Keys, the book, is one of my top reads ever. What your book, get it in book, like purchase it, read it, go through it, summarize it, chunk it down. There's also a lot of good stuff that you can do online. Some tests, we'll talk about this a little bit later, but the hologenetic profile is free online. We'll talk about the website a little bit later. There's a tremendous amount of tools and resources here to really get clear on who and what you are. And as far as I understand, correct me if I'm wrong, but the opportunity to indeed look at the shadow and to shine light and love into the aspects of the self that have not been healed yet and to do so in a way that is a systematic. And that's what I love about this approach because not only do we understand, or I believe at least collectively we're beginning to understand and remember who we are, but now we're receiving tools like this. And I think this is a very powerful tool not to be dismissed. So I just want to ask you then, Richard, in regards to the gene keys, when you study DNA and we understand the sacredness and the, all the sacred geometry of things and the, the mathematical nature and, and coherence of things and how everything is indeed a unique expression of the one, in which part and how does our DNA play a role in our lives? Obviously, we know now very, we know a lot through science about DNA and how it programs us. And there are constant breakthroughs occurring, like the breakthrough of, you know, several decades ago of this field called epigenetics, which is the understanding of how, I mean, you can extrapolate in lots of ways, but the understanding of how our attitude influences our DNA very strongly. And so the way in which we approach everything in our life, illness, you know, trauma, suffering, difficulty, everything that comes, the way we approach that actually is dictating how our DNA is responding. So I came out years ago with this kind of revelation that I had with it. I'm the architect of my evolution. I am the architect. 
because we used to think it was DNA that was the architect and we had no choice. But now we realize that actually, and all the kind of science that has gone into understanding the placebo effect, for example, and what extraordinary things humans can do when they believe in something fully without a single seed of doubt, then it's incredible the effect we can have on our body, in our environment, because we're literally programming the DNA itself. Yeah, and it's, it's very plastic in that way. It's plasticity, you know, and it's a language. It's built in a language that even understands our language and the language of our thoughts, which, you know, the way we use words and languages is, is very similar to how DNA itself is constructed, which is why science can understand it because it, it has similar sentence construction. It ha it's written in sentences and sequences, and that's how we evolve, and that's how we speak, and it's even how we think. It's an incredible thing. It's software. It's programmable, and you know we can reprogram it and understand it and unlock its secrets. I mean, that for me, that was the most, the deepest discovery was having had this big experience I realized that there's more inside us than we could possibly imagine. But for most of us, it's dormant. So we have higher we have higher states of consciousness or means of understanding consciousness, but that's for them for most people is dormant, completely dormant, waiting for a perhaps a time in our evolution when, you know, we're ready to awaken those things. You know, but it's everything evolves in the world in its own timing. But at the same time as saying that, we seem to be at a time now where more of us are awakening and it's like a springtime for consciousness on this planet because even as things are sort of dissolving a bit on the outside, on the inside, things are awakening and dawning for many of us, which I think is, is a deep part of the Gene Keys and its revelation and why it has come at this particular time. So. Yeah, it's an incredible thing to understand what is hidden in our DNA, you know, what is really underneath it. And a lot of that is to do with the frequency that we input into our DNA. So frequency translates into chemistry. So when I say frequency, I mean like a high frequency belief system, I might say, is might be a, a very positive belief system. A low frequency belief system might be a victim belief system. You know, so you believe that you're caught in a cycle and you can't get out of it. And there's some deep unconscious belief in you that can't seem to shake that, whatever it is, is addiction or something that you're stuck in, you're caught in this cycle. But then the higher frequency is when that's gone and you realize anything is possible. And as you begin to open to that, so anything is possible. And the more you allow that in to your belief system and your being, then the more radiant you become and your DNA just responds because it, it releases and opens up hormonal pathways and neurological pathways inside us that actually make us feel a lot more positive because it's like serotonin and thing, things, you know, these incredible chem chemicals that the brain can release. And so, I mean, a lot of this stuff is around it. There's a lot of people that know a lot more about it than I do as well. I'm not a scientist, but because as you said, I'm primarily a poet. So my view of DNA is a little bit more from the right brain and looking into the mysteries of, because you're not, science is not going to kind of unlock these mystical states for some time. So no, I'm interested in like moving a little bit further ahead than the curve of science, which has its own kind of 
you know, timing. So, yeah, I'm a prophet in that way. And I, I like to see a, go a little bit further. But at the same time, I'm, I'm really, really interested in the science as well. Yeah. Of course. I think this is magical. And I love how you speak of how this code, this tool, this technology, this wisdom, this isness, this completeness, this system arrives in its perfect time. I think the, the darker the dark, the brighter the light. I think this is my personal hypothesis. The more we see darkness in the world, the more we're toggling on ancient dormant DNA who will enable us to really remember who and what we are. And I know you had a profound experience, I believe it was around the age of 29, where you had three days of a profound experience. And so not the intellectual part, but the beingness. And I would love if you could share with our listeners and viewers a little bit about this experience, what you did experience, and what it showed you. That'll be amazing. Yeah, thank you. I mean, it's, yeah, uh, it's almost 30 years ago now. <laughs> and I, and there, you know, sometimes these things come to us, and then they ripple as well. So there was th this was the big one that happened, yeah, in my late 20s. But then it's rippled, you know, onwards in my life. So there's been sort of smaller ones that have rippled, you know, at different other stages that have filled in more detail for me, if you like. But yeah, the, the first one came as a kind of shock, I guess. And it wasn't a bad shock. It just, I wasn't expecting. <laughs> You're never expecting something like that to happen. I, I woke up in my bed one morning. And I woke up into a sort of another state of consciousness just from my sleep with no, you know, no drugs or anything like that. I just woke and suddenly there was this different presence, this different being that I was. And it was vast, but I immediately recognized it. It was like, wow, have I died? What's happened? Everything's different. And, you know, vast amount of light, the intelligence of light was pouring through my body. And sometimes I've described it and I go back in my memory. And one of the things I remember was, because you don't forget an experience like that is physical. It's very physical, just takes over your whole being. And one of the things I remember was zero resistance in my body, absolute zero resistance, right? And I'm not sure I've ever quite experienced that again <laughs> in the same way. But when you experience that, there's nothing in the way of the divine consciousness or the you know the entire universe there's just nothing in the way there's no filters anymore and so you experience the infinite as it is just as it is and you're part of it and it's part of you and you don't exist and yet you do exist and there is no you and that and you're everything <laughs> it's like how do you qualify that and so I had three days and three nights of that and you know because I didn't sleep there was no sleeping it was just I was just in it, just pure light of consciousness. And I mean, my mind was very active. So my mind picked up on this and went on journeys and said, okay, this is cool. I can find out anything I want. It, it realized my mind, because it wasn't even my mind. It was just uh -huh. this little part of Richard that thought that was just operating in its own independent way. And it, and it sort of, it, it was quite funny. I was watching it and it was just going like a child, it was going, brilliant. This is like, I can find out anything. So it just, like a, like a child given, you know, access to the universal code, it just went, whoa, I can find out my future. Let's go find out what's happening. I can find out my past. I can find out everything, who I was, who I am, who I will be, where the world's going. 
And it was just this wonderful curiosity of this childlike presence inside me that was the eternal child, if you like, and just was like in in a in an experience of delight. This mind, and it went and found out a lot of really cool things. <laughs> and, <laughs> and the only problem was that when I came down from the experience, I say I came down, or when it kind of, it was like a shawl that just sort of fell away and went back into the earth. It was experience because I was in this heightened state, and then I almost felt it coming down my body and going back into the earth. And then I sometimes joke that I was left sitting there and I was like this Richard guy again. And I was like, oh no, not this guy. <laughs> he has started, he's, yeah, he's like full of problems and and issues and like fears and doubts and all of that. And I was like, oh no, I'd, I'd forgotten about this guy. <laughs> but this guy was was different after that because he had seen the light if you like and i didn't refract it as god or anything i didn't know sort of i mean i didn't know what to do it's like i wanted it back so i spent years seven years around just trying to kind of reclaim the state that's where i said i went off on the spiritual journey around the world i went to different teachers and masters and i was an adventurer but i was also full of restlessness because i wanted to know what the hell do i do now yeah. With this, because I didn't have a form or a structure for it. I just had the wisdom download, if you like, but I had no way to share it. How do you share something like that? So, like, I mean, I was trained in literature and a love of literature. So I started to write. And then I, seven years later, I wrote, I'd written this book, The Gene Keys. And I used the Chinese I Ching as my code. It was, that was an intuitive thing. Like, I thought, here's the best code I've come across that can hold this wisdom because it's intricate and it reflects our DNA. And I'd had an experience that was very physical, that was very much in my DNA. I mean, in a way, DNA wasn't so widely understood, you know, back in the late 90s. I mean, it w was understood, but not at the level it is now. But I experienced light pouring through it. It was a kind of, it became a transducer of light. The fundamental principle under the Gene Keys is that our body is is that we are we're made of light and that we scientifically prove it yeah and we can produce light and we can enhance light and it's the light of consciousness or the light of illumination and anyway i'm sure there are plenty of other teachers that have expressed that and probably better than me but that was kind of where it all started <laughs> so, yeah, i think it's i then had to go and you know make something of it had to take wisdom and perfection beyond time and space and put it through English literature in the three-dimensional reality for other people to decipher and decode. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that was my dilemma. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you've done it beautifully. And I just want to get straight to, I love this. I had a similar journey in my life. I was a professional person, caught up in the rut. I had a big crash, broke both my legs, almost died in hospital from a staph infection. And God came through my crown and just delivered me a message and said, this is what you're going to do. You're going to go home. And you're going to start breathing. And I was breathing and I felt energy moving in me and I felt the bioaccumulation of light. I felt darkness and despair and things leave my body. And so I know from experience, it's somewhat of an experience that you're explaining. I just wanted to go straight to it. Would you refer to this as an awakening? Definitely. Yeah. I mean, it, the, the, for me, it was hilarious because I actually woke up in my bed. 
So the metaphor was just so poetic for me. I was asleep. I woke up and there I was in it. And I, I haven't actually yet heard of anyone else who had that, who's awakened or had an awakening experience in that same way where they were asleep and then they woke up and there it was. <laughs> so it literally was the exact metaphor of what awakening is. So it wasn't lost on me, the humor of that. Um, Perfect. You've mentioned in your work, Richard, which I love, and a lot of our listeners and viewers are you know, somewhat scientifically minded, but very deeply uh, on a spiritual path. And I think for a re very long time, we've looked as a collective to science for guidance. And I know, as you spoke of, uh, science is so far outdated. I mean, it's over 100 years ago since Mark Planck founded the quantum theory, and here we are still not even looking at it uh, in, in the appropriate way. And I do understand this is founded in in the essence of of consciousness and the real science, if you want, quantum physics and metaphysics, I think is go beyond Newtonian physics. But I really think this is pertinent to speak to because it seems what has been science is now, not quite, but at least starting to catch up to what spirituality has been teaching for thousands of years. And we're beginning to kind of toggle on these ancient awakenings. And I know this from experience and from having guided a lot of people through this. What do you think now are the steps that we need to take, apart from reading your book, doing the assessments and, and checking out your online courses and you know meditation, self-reflection? I know you're, you're big on these things, looking inside instead of outside. But what are some of the steps now, some tangible three-dimensional steps that people could focus on and take on a daily or, or regular basis to be able to potentially, one, activate this occult junk DNA, which we know is not the case, and also to empower themselves and if we can be so esoteric to illuminate ourselves to come home. Well, yeah. I mean, I spent years asking that question, like, what can we do? <laughs> and I kind of, you know, a central technique came to me because the Gene Keys are great. You know, I mean, the, the Gene Keys book is like, it's pretty it's impressive it's a big book right it's it's like God, 600 pages it took 7 years it's very it's a deep it's not a kind of easy read it's a book to contemplate you know it's it, in that way so you you don't just read it it's not like a normal book like that you contemplate it and contemplation is about imbibing something over time you know it takes time to digest a really profound wisdom. And the ancients and our teachers and masters and sages have always known this. Like it takes time to digest wisdom. So the art of contemplation, I wrote this little book actually afterwards called The Art of Contemplation, under 100 pages, like really, really simple. And I distilled basically everything into this little book. And it's on Amazon if anyone's interested. And I, I recommend it because it's a really nice place to start because it's so simple and you can read it in a few hours. But that is the book that, or that is the teaching that has so much profundity and practicality because to kind of become a contemplative person is the journey. You actually can't truly awaken without that. So we have to learn to slow down inside ourselves to make space. That's what meditation is all about. You know, contemplation is a slightly different word from meditation because it, it's not a formal technique. It's a whole space where all techniques can happen inside it. So it, it describes the interior journey, but essentially it means we carve out time inside our lives. And last year we created a beautiful little app 
It's called the Triple Flame. It's free on the App Store, and it's I'm just pitching it because it's fun. And what it does is it's a pausing app, and it's, and it's also got lots of Gene Keys things in there. So you can look in, and it's all free. So there's loads of really nice meditations by me and the resources bit and stuff, and you can have fun looking through all that. But the main essence of it is that you, you it just programs your phone to pause, to give you a little bell or a chime or something you can choose every three hours, and it gives you three minutes. Yeah, so it asks you every three hours on the 3, 6, 9, 12 of the clock, to pause for three minutes, right? So it's so simple. But in that pause, in that three-minute pause, you invite eternity in. You know, that you you create space for the eternal. Just three minutes, right? Every three hours. It's not much to ask, right? But that rhythm of the three is really powerful when you do it over time. And, you, you know, you might be... And it's very generous as well. Contemplation is very generous. So... Pausing doesn't mean you have to even stop what you're doing. You could be driving, you could be in a meeting, you could be, and it goes off. And you're like, oh, and, but you could choose to either pause completely and go, well, I'm just going to close my eyes for three minutes. But if that's in a meeting, people might not understand. So you can just, for those three minutes, you just, you breathe and you listen, but you turn your, you, whatever's going on the outside, you turn yourself inside, even with your eyes open. Or if you're, or you do something with real presence, and those three minutes start to kind of create a little net, like a little net of pearls, because they start to connect to each other in a rhythm that then starts to get into your life, and you slowly become more contemplative because you're taking those little pauses. And as I describe in that little book, if you create those pauses, then one day in one of those pauses, something magic will happen. But you don't know when or which one. <laughs> you know, I call this pivot. So the pivot takes place. It's a breakthrough or a revelation or an epiphany. And you might find yourself in one of those three-minute pauses and you suddenly start crying or you suddenly have one of those moments of just, oh, this is, oh, it just suddenly hits you. But unless you create the pauses, you don't get that experience. It's unlikely, you know, unless you're, you can create them in all kinds of ways. You can sit on a cushion every day for an hour and do zazen meditation or whatever. That's why you do those things. But I, the, the triple flame is lovely because it, it, it's right in the middle of our everyday life. No matter how busy we are, everyone can take three minutes. I say, even if you've got a screaming child, they can wait three minutes. <laughs> they won't die, you know? And so you take those three minutes and even the child screaming, you're just like, even with a child, you just let the screaming just be like, oh, three minutes of bliss, you know, and then I'll attend to them. And, and I'm not saying you should do that and be your child, but three minutes is not much to ask to allow the infinite in. And it's amazing. You, you know, you might find the child stops crying because you've just given yourself the gift of, you know, that moment. Anyway, it's contemplation is key so that's what people can do right away but whether they use that little app or not or that you know you start creating pauses in your day i call them harvesting pauses because when you start to pay attention you realize pauses are being invited all the time but because we're moving so fast and our mind is so busy we miss them you know so sometimes a pause just arrives and you're like but you don't see it. There's a natural pause. It's something inviting you to take a moment's breath, you know, particularly in between one task and another, you know. So 
you finish the washing up and then instead of moving straight to the next thing, to the laundry, let's say, just take a two minute pause, just go, oh, and those moments, those gaps, those natural gaps everywhere in our life. And once we start noticing them, our whole day expands. It's like we're pumping time into our day. We're pumping light into our day. So we're actually creating more time by taking pauses. It's an irony. It's a paradox. So anyway, that's the practice. And it's core to the Gene Keys and to my work because when you've got a very dense set of teachings like the Gene Keys, which is really deep, you need to go in slowly without that kind of busy kind of very, very hungry mind, you know, that's like, give me quick. I need an answer. I need it. I need it. I need it in a, you know, I need a three minute answer or a three second answer. You know, It's like, I need to know how this works. You're not going to know how the gene keys work unless you go in slowly without that kind of very manic mind, you know, do you know what I mean? Yeah, you've got a left brain dominant, busy, continuously non-stopping. It's crazy. Yeah, you approach it in a feminine way. You yeah, approach, you let it. You let it come to you. It's inside you, right? It's wisdom. And so there's knowledge and there's wisdom. And knowledge. We live in a knowledge-based world. Everything is knowledge and knowledge. Out there. Yeah, it's out there, and you put it in. You fill yourself with knowledge. You pack it in. Wisdom is already inside. And you have to make space for it to come out. So one goes in, knowledge goes in. It's great knowledge, but wisdom comes out. So unless you're having those, creating the space, wisdom is not part. You don't access or tap your wisdom. And the wisdom's in your DNA. It's in the body. It's in the form. It's in the bones. You know, it's in the cells. That's why you meant it's in breathing. We have to breathe. And then we come into the wisdom of the body. And... Yeah, so contemplation slows us down so that that wisdom can emerge. And then once it starts to emerge, it can apply itself to any problem or any situation, no matter how difficult. And clarity is something that comes, you know, so you just see, you see much more quickly what has to be done or what needs to be said in this situation to create a resolution or what not is said. And the wisdom knows the timing of everything. It knows like correct timing. Yeah, I'm going to do that. You know, it knows when not to act. It knows when to pause. It knows when to act with caution. It knows when to take a jump into a risk because it's wisdom. It's in our being. So it's it's the divine inside us. It's the sage inside. You know, mm. that's what we have to awaken. And doesn't matter what you use. You can use the gene keys. You can use any system or any teaching. That's what we're here to awaken. Because once you've got that wisdom awake, you don't need anything else. You don't need any teaching tool, but whatever. It's all inside. Anyway, I've said enough. <laughs> Not even nearly enough. I could play this sort of repeat. I just want to point out something that Rich just said, the difference between knowledge and wisdom. Knowledge is external, as in you can feed yourself with it or look at it from the outside in. Wisdom comes from within, as in wisdom is you, pure intelligence, pure consciousness, pure light. And when you slow down the brain, particularly the left brain pertaining to the right side of the body, the masculine, the analytical, the, the going, the non-stopping, as the ancient sages used to say, if you're too busy meditating 20 minutes a day, just do three hours instead. It's actually a process of removing interference and, and busyness and noise to bring the attention back within to allow it to arrive. Is that correct? 
Exactly. Yeah. It's more it's a feminine approach. You know, we live in a in a left brain world, you know, and the gene keys as, you know, the system I've created, you know, out of all the things I've written and the online programs and things I've put together, they are all much more feminine in terms of, yes, there are sequences and there are layers of understanding, and but it's not really a knowledge system. There is things that you learn because there's a language and when you get your profile, you know, your gene keys profile, which you held up, we could talk about that in a moment. You know, it gives you a sort of structure and a thread and a narrative that you could contemplate about your life, about yourself. You know, so you can contemplate, you know, why your relationships are the way they are. And there are gene keys, there are these codes that help you understand why they are and why that pattern keeps occurring and why it's, you know, and you, how you can transform it into something beautiful. So it gives you a language, but it's still, you know, even though that's all that, it has all that structure. As you said, it's very. It feels very like, oh, I'm on a journey here. There's, there's step one, step two, step three. Nice. I kind of know where I'm at, and the sequences and programs. Oh, they take. Oh, yeah. Okay, I can take. You know, I, I know where I am, and you don't have to rush. But the actual unraveling is deeply feminine because it's mysterious. It comes from inside us, so it consists of revelations, epiphanies, breakthroughs, insights, things that drop inside us. They're not intellectual breakthroughs. You know, they might be mental. They might be like, suddenly you see something clearly that you didn't see before about yourself, but they're not intellectual. You know, they may have an intellectual understanding wrapped around them, but they're actually physical. They're genetic because, you know, we're waking up from the inside out. So that's what Jinkies is all about. It's, It's like lots of Languages and structures and ways of going on that journey. And it they hold you in the process because they're deep and rich and they're a voyage. They hold you in the process long enough for the awakening to begin to occur. Because it's uh-huh. can't, you know, nowadays in the world we like we're full of teachings that are just like providing you with answers, you know, and the answers aren't out an answer that comes from someone else. It's not a truly, it's not a true breakthrough. It's got to come from inside us. So the, my only interest with the Gene Keys has been helping people find their own wisdom, you know, inside, so that they no longer need any form of crutch on the outside. So, so the purpose of the Gene Keys is to delete the Gene Keys, <laughs> if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Again, very interesting pertaining to epigenetics and the understanding how we are literally influencing and turning on and off the different genes based on our thoughts, environment, lifestyles, and of course, one of the main triggers is emotions. I'm really interested in this, Richard, because there's major things happening in the world. And I get the sense from having read your work and, and studied your work and, 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 and having this conversation that you have awakened to this inner illumination and this clarity and this joy and this peace and, and so on. And, and just to point out, contemplation is an opportunity on a daily basis. So for listeners and viewers, perhaps now decide, decide if you will take time to sit with yourself and to sit with what it is, or if you will continue on the rat race and prolong the the healing and the awakening that awaits you. I, I think this is important to make a decision on this, but I just wanted to speak to Richard, what happens, what's happening in the world right now. We're seeing major division. 
we know division is, well, in my hypothesis, not real. You know, the number one law of the 12 universal laws is the law of divine oneness and unity. We see this in quantum physics. We know it in our hearts. When I run events, I, I ask my students to raise their hand if they believe one, if they're only flesh or, or, and bone, or two, if they believe that they're spirit and consciousness. 99.6% of students, tens of thousands of students, number two, I know who I am. And so many of us know and, and have remembered but yet at the same time, it seems like the masses are still lost in division, in separation. We know one of the oldest rules in the game, Sun Tzu, has the, the work I'm sure you're familiar with, is divide and conquer. We know through I Ching, everything is in cycles and seasons. We understand this in, in timelines, in astrology, and by the law of rhythm, as we know. What is your take on what's happening in the world? And I know how we can impact it, and I get that through the Maharishi effect and through meditation and contemplation and sending love and compassion, we can impact it. But in, if we were to look at it on a broader scale, and I know you may not have the perfect answer, but I'd love your just your shot at it. What's going on in the world and how do we prepare? How do we come to terms with it? I'd love your two cents worth on this. Is this the Great Awakening? What are your thoughts? Yeah, well, when I started to write the Gene Keys and it started to come through my deep contemplations on these codes, each one kind of was a was a, a fractal wormhole into some aspect of the universal wisdom. And that's what they are. They're, they're pinpricks in the space-time continuum, right? So when we contemplate a Gene Key, it opens up a wormhole inside us because you just, you know, so you can take Gene Key 55, there's 64 of them, right? So you can take Gene Key 55, which is a key one, you know, in a way, because it's the, it holds the answer to what's happening now. Because in the great procession of the equinoxes, which is if you measure these keys and codes and you look at how, where the, where the procession is moving, it's going to move shortly from one epoch into another, like the axis. You know, and this yeah. is astrolog astrologers know this, but if you can do this through the gene keys as well, it's slightly different from astrology because you put the, the hexagrams of the I Ching around the wheel and then you're looking at, you know, so it's related to a system called human design as well, which was the first system that did that. But what it shows is that in the year 2027, which is shortly, the axis will shift into gene key 55. It's other keys as well, but that's the most important one. And when I came to write that chapter, it kind of exploded inside me. Remember, I took years writing this, so I wasn't in a hurry, but this one just exploded in me and it's like five times longer than any other chapter because it contained this prophecy. And I didn't, you know, I didn't connect. It was the only one that did that, right? And it was about what's happening in the world now. And it's, and it describes this time of genetic mutation in our species as we shift from literally one human being to another kind of human being that will then colonize humanity literally from inside our dna right mm -hmm. so this has happened in the past we know there have been forks in primates and forks in early humans and in the species and it happens all the time in evolution and it often happens very fast and it usually has happened because of some form of trauma or crisis in you know in evolutionary cycles so you know if it's going to happen fast which it mostly does if a, a big shift a big quantum leap in a species it happens because of crisis of some form uh -huh. so for the whole of humanity 
to mutate. There has to be a whole humanity crisis, right? So the whole of Gaia, in fact, has to go through that crisis. Uh -huh. And so what the Gene Key 55 does is it reframes this current time and it, and in a way that it says, look, you can look at it at one way. You can say humans are doing this to the environment. But another way you might look at it is that the consciousness, the wisdom of Gaia, of which we are a part, is actually orchestrating its own transformation, right, through us and other species. Uh -huh. And because we often see ourselves as separate from Gaia, but actually we're part of the intelligence of Gaia. You know, we're, we're maybe her brain, you know, or we're, we're a teenage, we're in a teenage adolescent cycle. And, and so we're kind of going a bit crazy. But Gaia, the mother, is like, okay, let the teenage go crazy. You know, I know it'll evolve. And yes, it's going to lose some systems. And they, and this isn't to say that anything, you know, I have to un explain this. It's like, this isn't to say that we shouldn't kind of resist, fight, stand up for justice, you know, all of it. That's part of what we have to do because it's our nature to resist injustice and to, you know, to take care of our planet and each other, right? But underneath all that, this is a time of massive transformation for our species. And I used the metaphor of the life cycle of the dragonfly, which you'll see all over my books and all over the gene keys, you see these dragonfly symbols. The metaphor of the dragonfly is, is beautiful because the dragonfly lives underwater for three years as a predator. And then it goes through this process of transformation where it comes up a stalk of grass or a reed into the light and it comes out of the water like a fish. You know, it's coming out of the water. It's like an underwater insect suddenly comes out of the water. Never done that before. And then the sun starts to work on it and open it up and it goes through this massive transformation where this kind of lackluster, slightly gray, predatory, kind of ugly insect turns into this iridescent, splendid, flying dragon. <laughs> You're like, oh my God, how did that go to that in the space yeah. of three hours? Mm -hmm. You know? And... So you and I use this metaphor and say, look, that's humanity. Like you can't, we actually can't comprehend what we're going to become. It's too far removed from where we are now. You can't comprehend like that predatory insect. This is where we are really at this current stage. It has this magnificent creature inside it, this being of light, this interconnected collective intelligent networked intelligence that's all one that knows itself as one that is iridescent splendid that has what we call cities you know potential for you know warping space-time let's say superpowers you know how we have superpowers in our dna gene keys you know a lot of the gene keys is about that so when you if you read the gene keys book every one of the 64 archetypes has what's called a city. That's a Sanskrit word meaning magical capacity. So Gene Key 55, it's the city of freedom. So it's it's the code for freedom itself. And each one of these cities, you know, I say city, it's a it's not I'm, I'm not saying city, by the way, I'm saying city. All right, it's a Sanskrit word. And it's a capacity latent in our DNA that we would consider magical. You know, compassion is one. Forgiveness is one. You know, um, there are all kinds of ways. But, you know, there's the ability to do things that we couldn't possibly encompass right now. 
you know, we, we think that the material, the universe is made of material. You know, we're like that predatory insect underwater. All we see is the matter realm. We don't realize what we are. We have no idea. No idea. I mean, a few of us might have glimpsed what we're capable of one day, you know. And the, the cities describe things like levitation and they describe things that normal people or science would just think, oh, that's nonsense. That's just fantasy. But actually, you know, even science itself now is beginning, you know, to question space time. The, the yeah. time space is no longer valid as a way of understanding our universe. You know, we, so we're going to have to look at a completely new way of understanding. Anyway, the 55th Gene Key, what it does is it describes this time as a time of massive breakthrough. And it gives us an incredible hope more than hope. Like when I had my three-day experience, it's like I, I kind of came down off that mountain and I just felt, oh my God, what we're going to become is just so precious. Because I saw it. I was I was in it. I was like, oh my God, we're this? I was like, it's incredible. People won't believe this. When I say, people won't believe me, they'll think, oh, he's a fantasist. No. <laughs> So I just wrote it all down. I thought, well, you can take it or leave it. Like, read the cities in the book. There's 64 of them. Read yours. You know, and like, what's yours, Esben? What are your keys? Can you name one of them. Pick one at random. I've got 38, 39, 48, and 21. Okay, so take like 48. Yeah, let's do it because I've spoken of wisdom. Take 21. Radiance. Oh, you had a G that's a lovely one. Jinky 21, you know, that's the code of valor, right? Yeah. Valor. And valor is a warrior code, but it's like the immortal warriors of, you know, time gone by. The warrior of love, the warrior of light, you know, it's the code of like being the first over the top, you know, being the leader on the battlefield of consciousness that's like, come on, follow me. Let's go get the enemy. But the enemy is within. So it's that kind of code that's like, I'm going to be one of the first and I'm going to, you know, be an example of what we can do. And, you know, the valor is about, it's the masculine surrendering to the feminine, but in a reversal that creates a reversal. So when the masculine surrenders to the feminine, and that's a pole inside us, then the feminine gives back its all the power. It's like in those kind of films like Obi-Wan Kenobi and Star Wars surrendering to Darth Vader and giving up his life and letting him kill him. Or it's a lot of those myths. They do that. One surrenders and then they get killed, but then they come back stronger. You know, they have a rebirth like Christ, you know, you have to yeah. surrender and then you transmute the negativity through your life. That's what this is all about. So that code is about that beautiful transformation. They're all about that in different ways. So there are warrior codes and then there are kind of forgiveness codes and depends on what your dharma is, what your life, your karma is taking you. So if you have the code of forgiveness, it means probably that something might happen to you that some kind of betrayal will happen in your life in some way so that you can fight you because you've got to go on that journey of forgiveness. But what it shows you is that that was written into the code and the script of your life. And when you see that and you see, oh, wow, there's something beautiful hidden even in this ugliness, it gives you hope. 
So every code has that journey in it in different ways. But this 55 is key because it shows us that this whole time is a time of massive, fast awakening. And yes, it doesn't look good on the outside. And it's frightening for the ego that holds... It's like that dragonfly up the, going up the stalk. It's clinging to the stalk. And it's thinking. it's probably thinking, what the hell is going on? My old life is just falling away. I don't know what I am. I don't know what I'm becoming. And inside is this marvelous creature. And the awareness has to transfer itself into that creature. And we are that. So if you explore Jinky 55, you really get that story in depth. And you realize, wow, this is actually a time of celebration. And even though it's going to be difficult for humans, you know, and already is, and it's probably going to get a lot worse, and it's going to be harsh for the environment and for Gaia herself. And it's going to eventually lead us into a new era, you know, and that era is, you know, going to be really quite incredible because we're going to leave the suffering behind, <laughs> you know. And I tell that story and it's like people just think, oh, he's a fantasist, you know. I don't think so. Suffering. I think How people are be suffering. Well, depends on which vibration, frequency, and dimension we're operating in. I mean, time it's is only relevant overnight, either. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So I say that it's not going to all happen in 2027. Evolution doesn't work like that. You know, even though it will happen very fast in evolutionary terms, it will take hundreds of years. You know, we should be clear about that. DNA changes at its own pace. And for a species to change from the inside out, it changes through births, you know, so we get born. So that mutation has to come into the gene pool throughout the planet and start popping up all over the place. And then that generation has to grow up with those gifts and then they have to pass on the mutation. And so it takes generations for humanity to transform itself, but we can feel it in the field, you know, because it's coming. And so we're, we're sensing it coming. I'm a bearer of incredibly good news. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. I, and I think this is imperative because what we do believe we do achieve, we know this through epigenetics. We know it through the, the science of consciousness. We know it through the Maharishi effect. We see through the double slit experiment. We know it through research and science and by experience. And so we can indeed change our beliefs to be of a positive mindset and, you know, someone asked me a little while ago, you know, what's happening in the world? And I can't ask you the same question, but the question was posed in a way as in, you know, what's going to become of us? And my answer to the person was, if you're asking that question, it means that you may not be an active participant as you can be. What would it be like to live heaven on earth today? What would it be like to be compassionate today, to be loving today, to be present today, to be forgiving today, to be joyful today? And this gentleman looked at me and, and, and I think he got it. And I think he went home and had a beautiful conversation with the family as in from that beingness. So I think this coming forth and bringing out the true essence is really, we can start to walk it now. We can create, as well said by Gandhi, the change we want to see in the world, be the change we want to see in the world. Mm -hmm. I want to ask you a question. When I broke my legs in 2006, I got a staph infection in hospital. I spent a year and two months in another hospital and I lost 15 kilos. And I was blessed to have a similar experience to you. But instead of waking up to bliss and me, I went through the trauma to, to find it in a different way. The surgeon looked at me in 2008 and said, we're going to cut your leg off to stop the infection. And if the infection continues to spread, then you die. And intuitively, spirit came through me and simply said, no, 
you are the healer. And this is not an external job. This is not a surgeon's job. It's not a pharmaceutical intervention job. It's not a nurse's job. This is a, a job that you need to take on. And it was clear. It was so clear. And it was so peaceful because I had been in fear for quite some time now. And then I, I drove home and I sat up and I started breathing. And the breathing, I don't know where it came from. Call it a download. Call it something, someone delivering me some technologies of the past, whatever it is, future perhaps. But it took me through a process of breathing and feeling my wounds come up, the loss of my brother and finding him dead when I was five, that my sister being born disabled, breaking my legs, not you know having the fear of not being good enough and not being successful and not being loved. And as I'm breathing and I'm experiencing this, Richard, I'm feeling the things that I didn't want to feel, but I was realizing as I continued that those were the things I needed to feel so that I could heal them. And what I've done since is gone on this path of removing interference. So I say, you know, there is no going elsewhere. It's coming home because you are light. And the only way to get there is to go through the shadow. I know you're big on the shadow. I know you've spoken about it. You've written about it. And I wanted to ask before we get into the shadow aspect of things, have you had any experience with breath work? And if so, how has your experience been? Yeah, for sure. I mean, part of my journey was, you know, exploring all those things in the early days of rebirthing and, you know, which is that interconnected breathing and really understanding the breath, you know, like my understanding of the breath is that breath is everything, right? Breath is everything. And actually the in, what I experienced in my three-day thing is that the in-breath, you know, my very first breath that I took as a baby yeah, I remembered that breath. I remembered that first breath, like, and then I also experienced my final breath as I breathed out my final breath. And I realized that my life was like one breath, an mm. in as a baby and an out as an old man. But the beauty of that is that that out breath as an old man connected to the in breath of another child. And that the first breath that I took as a baby was following another old, whether it was a man or a woman, you know, dying, you know, the last breath. Instantaneously? In and out? Yeah. Yeah. But it, 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 it's not instantaneous in that I come, you come in and you come out because there's a pause between breaths, right? Always. There's a neutral space between breaths. And that pause can be long or it can be short, you know, depending on how you're breathing. And that's what the pause is. The pause, that's why I teach the pause, because the pause is that still point between breaths. So breath is everything. Mm. And it connects us to eternity because there's only one breath and it connects us all. And it is the pulse of existence, the breath of God, they call it, you know. And so, yeah, breath is more than just air coming in and out of our lungs it is in every fiber of our being. There's so many layers of breath. You know, there's, there are pulses, you know, our cells breathe, our skin breathes, our bones breathe. I learned this from the Taoists. So they, they have a technique called bone breathing. And, you know, everything breathes. Nature is breathing. Everything is pulsing like this rhythm of in, out, in, out, and the pause in between. You know, and those pauses are magical. The Tibetans call them bardos. You know, the yeah. bardo is the pause between one life and the next, or one state and the next. And that's what we're in now as an evolutionary thing. We're in between breaths. You know, so the 55th gene key is like 
this is a, this is an in between state we're in. You know, we had a whole cycle that's ended that's brought us to like this industrialized modern collective world with you know with the internet and all that, and then that's kind of just that breath is now slowing down and stopping. But then the new breath hasn't come in yet, so there's this kind of pause space in between, and in the pause space, it seems chaos because the new hasn't come in and the and the old one is still dying and the new one is just coming in so that place in the middle is so precious that's the quintessence in the middle there but it's the place that's most scary unless we're really grounded in our own breath yeah so you're absolutely right it was your breath that brought you back to your center to feeling safe and the only way we can feel safe in an unsafe world is when we come back into that in breath, that inner breath, which is what contemplation offers us. You know, it's all about that. So it's really simple at the end of the day, I think. Yeah, powerful. And indeed, that was the only reason why I still got two legs. And I've been teaching this to so many after these powerful different breathing techniques. And, you know, you mentioned a pre-session and the cycles and the seasons of what's happening. Plato referred to it as the great year. And now... Seeing you speaking to it as the bardo, it just gave me a, this visual at the moment. I see it. What do we do when we're in a space, a vacuum, a void, without necessarily seeing we trust? So this is the time, ladies and gentlemen, to take time, to invest time, to breathe, to contemplate, to meditate, to, to be still and to listen and to bring out in you what you're born to share which is your love and which is your light. This is just, I'm loving the the, the aspect of what we're seeing here with how all of these, um, I call it syncretism, there's so much science and so much astrology and we, we've got philosophy and we've got so much happening here. I'm, I'm really starting to decode a little bit more of what's happening. So thank you for kind of putting it together for us. Really cool. I want to ask you about the golden path. What's the golden path when it comes to gene keys? And then I want to, <clears throat> actually, before we do this, let me just be clear. What we were just talking about is the test online. I geek out on information and data. Please go to genekeys.com. Check out all the resources there. Do your hologenetic profile. Look at the courses, the retreats, the free courses. Do yourself a favor and get the book. And if you felt what I'm feeling in this moment, which is truth bomb standing up and a level of presence and gratitude in my being, if you felt this throughout this presentation, please do go back, listen to it again, share it with as many people as you can, be the light bearer and spread it forth and then consider doing these tests for yourself that are free, very powerful resources online. So with that said, Richard, can you tell us what is the golden path within the Gene Keys itself? Yeah, sure. I mean, it's a series of... Um awakening pathways of contemplation that you can do with your gene keys, with the string of your gene keys. Because you have, you know, when you do your profile, you go online, you input your astrology, you, you know, your time, date, place, and birth. So you, we're looking at when did you arrive in this current incarnation in the space-time continuum? And then we can place you in a, in a kind of grid. And then out of that grid comes a sequences of gene keys that relate to different stages of your own awakening process. And then your contemplation follows the thread of those keys as you contemplate one key and then the next key and then the next one opens up. And it's like you're peeling open an onion 
and the layers of yourself. And that's what the gene keys do because they're they, they look like a linear path and they're laid out in a linear way so you can contemplate this one and then when you've understood it and you've had an insight and a breakthrough, you can move to the next one. And that's how you're encouraged to go through the program. And the golden path are these three layers, the first, the sequences, right? So the whole programs, the activation sequences, the first one that usually people do, it's our most popular kind of course, online course. And you have an activation and, and, retreat, we have retreats. We have online, beautiful online retreats that we are a specialist, specialized thing, Gene Gas. I mean, do them really well. If you go to the homepage of our website, there's always a retreat launching sometime quite soon. So you can book in on it. And the retreats are like long, right? So because they're contemplation. So they so they're over months, but it doesn't mean that you kind of stop your life. It's contemplation. So it goes on in the background of your life in the gaps, in the pauses. So you carry on with your life, but a Gene Keys retreat goes on in the background over months and it has a rhythm to it. So it really helps people to travel in company. You know, so you might have 500 or a thousand people on that retreat. It might last four months and each week you have a little theme and you can do it at the level that you're capable in terms of logistically in your life, right? So you can get away with not doing very much because it's just holding a a sense of contemplation of your keys. So we choose one gene key a month usually. So you, t you might take that gene key 21 that you've got, and it also has a line number, which I won't go into, but it's like a further understanding of it. And you contemplate that for a month, right? So you might read the chapter in the book, you'd listen to the audio, you might do some more explorations of it. There's little meditations and things. It's, there's, there's a lot woven in that you can kind of do in your life that helps you maintain that contemplation. And then as you do the contemplations, the sequence begins to open up in your DNA, actually in your life. This is why you have to do it in your life. So you don't really retreat. You don't go off on a retreat and have an experience and then come back to your life. That doesn't work <laughs> in some respect. You have this retreat in your life. Because that's the most powerful experience. You got to experience it in your relationships, in your everyday life, in your job, in your walking the dog, doing, being ordinary. You know, that's if you have the experience in your life, it doesn't go away. You don't have to integrate; it's already integrated. So we do these incredible online retreats that integrate the wisdom into our everyday lives, and. People from all life, all kind of over the world and all different jobs and descriptions do them, you know, from business people to like healers to, you know, all kinds of people, doctors and psychologists. And, you know, so you meet, if you want to engage, you can meet incredible people, you know, doing the same pattern yeah. and sequence as you are, you know, week by week. And we set up those calls and things so you can meet people and learn together if that's your thing. Some people like doing the solo, you know, and that's great as well. We offer that too. And sometimes people are audio and some people are like videos and some people like to read. And so all of that is catered for, you know, there's a massive resource. So you can choose how, when, and, you know, how you learn and how you imbibe and how you contemplate whatever suits you. And there's embodiment things as well. So... Anyway, yeah, the golden path takes you through these three journeys. You know, it'll take you time if you did all of them. It'll take you at least a year because, it, you know, step by step, it's not a fast process. Awakening is, you can't rush it. In fact, if you slow down, it speeds up. That's the irony. That's the beauty. You know, 
Yeah, the more you slow down, the more it catches you up. Yeah. So, and it doesn't mean slowing down in your life. It means slowing down in yourself and your being so that you feel more relaxed, you know, and then the insights come. So the programs of the golden path, as it's called, you know, the first one is activation. It's about your life purpose. The second one is about love and your relationships. And the third one is about prosperity, money, any trauma you have around that. And there's another one as well coming soon, which is about harmony and creating harmony at every level in your life. So there are these incredible journeys that we've kind of cultivated that we go on as a community or do as a self-study, depending on, or both, you know, if that's, so. and there are books that go with them and there are, as I said, meditations and layers. So it's very rich, you know, over the last 20, 30 years, the G, we've created like a lot of really rich resources, very affordable. So for people that come into, and a lot of it's free as well, people that come into the Gene Keys, there's a wealth of material to engage with that's of high quality. So I really, you know, I really recommend, my biggest recommendation is to book into one of our online retreats. You know, so you go to the homepage and see which one is current, you know, is coming. There's usually a counter that will tell you you know, how many days until this one launches and then registration closes and then we, we all launch. It's like being on a ship together, you know, a cruise. And once the door's shut, your cruise begins and you're off, you know, and it's a journey and then it ends in four months or whatever. And you've probably made some great friends and you've for sure had some deep experiences and you know a lot more what the Gene Keys really are. So that's how we create these, you know, these powerful, because it's an experience, the Gene Keys. You know, it's not knowledge. It, there is knowledge, but it's it's more than that. So, yeah, journeys. It's, it's fun. It's fun. It's profound. It can be challenging, but it's also fun. I also think part of us have kind of like a responsibility to kind of do the work now. You know, God's got it covered. There is nothing to do. But at the same time, we have free will. We can do something. And I think this is the great way to start. I looked at it and I saw the investment. I thought this is very inexpensive for the value. So go and check it out. Before I ask the last question, everybody, if you've got pen and paper, write this down. we got genekeys.com. Genekeys.com. Yeah, go there, check it out, buy the book. Read it, do the free resources, do the free test. We got Gene Keys on, in one word, Gene Keys on Facebook. Same thing on Instagram, Gene Keys, one word. And, and Gene, good stuff. YouTube as well, Gene underscore Keys. Go and absorb these resources. Listen to this as many times as you can. And I've got one last question for you, Richard, if I may. Go for it. Let's be clear. If time wasn't real, I would be doing this forever. I'm thoroughly enjoying this conversation. Thank you. I would not want it to end, but you know, for the sake of we have places to be, I just want to ask this question. And I ask this question of all of the people that I'm blessed to interview. And the question goes like this. I want you to imagine now that you're on the world stage. Every sentient being on the planet is present and listening to you speak. Take a time, take a breath. Whenever you're ready, please do share. Richard, what is your message to the world right now? Yeah, I, my message is, is very simple. It's Please be gentle with yourself. You know, there's such a power in softness, you know, towards ourselves. We are so hard on ourselves. You know, we expect and demand so much of ourselves. I'm supposed to be this. I'm supposed to be that. I'm supposed to have made a million. I'm supposed to have done it. I'm supposed to have a great relationship. I'm supposed to be the, I mean, the layers of expectation that we put on ourselves. I'm supposed to be super healthy. I'm supposed to be, you know, perfect. I'm supposed to be enlightened. 
be gentle with yourself. Like, you know, gentleness is as close to divinity as anything, you know, and it begins with us being gentle with ourselves. And if you can make that a practice, if you can make gentleness a discipline towards yourself, I know those two words don't often go along, it's the most powerful discipline there is. And gentleness to yourself might also mean that you actually put up a boundary around someone else. You know, so you can be gentle to yourself, but I actually might come out as quite like a no, you know. So it might it might come out as not gentle at times because you're mm. looking after yourself. So it doesn't just mean you're all sweet and, you know, lovely, but you are to yourself. And that means sometimes you might need to kind of take more care of yourself and not be a kind of, you know, a victim. So I would say that is a, a one of the most powerful things we can do to soften into our own hearts and experience that self-love and parent ourselves a bit, take care of yourself. So that I think that's my core message. You speak of divine love, you speak of the divine feminine, and as intellectual as parts of this conversation has been, I think this is the most perfect place to end it with that gentleness. Thank you, Richard Rudd, for taking the time. I would love to have you back to do a sequel at some point. This is phenomenal. Uh, please do share share this interview with as many people as you can, guys. And thank you for being with us today. We got, this is exciting. And let us be excited. Let us go inwards and let us remember who we are. Richard Rudd, Gene Keys. thank you so much once again. Thank you so much. Once again, thank you so much for listening. And if you want to learn more about how to walk the quantum path into life mastery, business mastery, uh, if you want to learn more about our live events or coaching or anything that we offer, go to www.drespen.com. That's D-R-E-S-P-E-N.com or email info at drespen.com. And let's find out how we can help you take your life, your business and your mission to a whole nother level. We'll see you next time.